On today's show, DeAndre Ayton is likely leaving the Phoenix Suns. Can the Mavericks get in on that and make him the center that the Mavericks need? Plus, we'll get into Jaden Hardy and Wendell Moore's draft profiles. Nick Gang said Isaac Harris on today's Lockdown Mavs. Let's go. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavs. I don't believe you shouldn't be here. Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Maps your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, where the best way to help us grow is to comment below. Comment below. What do you think about DeAndre Ayton? Should the Mavericks go after DeAndre Ayton? Let us know. And joining me, as always, my co-host, writer, and contributor at Mavs.com. No longer just a frozen face. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Oh, it's good to be back. Spectrum, I love you. It's, it's okay. Sometimes you, you know, you have rough patches. You make it through and, you know, you don't have to break up or anything. We're that, good now. That was your 2006 finals yesterday was the uh, was that episode that we posted yesterday. I did have to have to get in my car, you know, like one in the morning, drive to a, somewhere to empty parking lot and sit there creepy in my car and upload a file but you know what this is what we do for you guys for you yeah that episode would have had really terrible phone quality audio if you hadn't driven to that random <laughs> to that random parking lot to give me that audio so shouts all right on today's show lots john hollinger made some waves i don't know if he expected to make some waves i don't know if the athletic expected him to make these waves but in an, in an interview back and forth between um <laughs> between him and uh the oh what's the pistons athletic edwards edwards james edwards uh, james, james, Ed- james edwards james l edwards um they're going back and forth about whether ayton is you know could the pistons trade for ayton just one of those fun like you know not necessarily a rumor but something that they could talk about a fake trade scenario hollinger said sources tell the athletic that it's quote more likely than not that deandre ayton plays elsewhere other than Phoenix next season. Somewhere other than Phoenix next season. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, people started running with that, and that seemed to be a big deal because, yes, that is a big deal. The former number one pick, the you know max contract guy, or should be max contract guy, we'll see, could be playing somewhere other than Phoenix. And this has been a story for a couple of years. We've even talked about it on this podcast. Is Sarver going to pay Aiden? Is he going to give him that max contract? Is he going to give him $30 million a year, 35 whatever he whatever he can get on the – the deal because he is a restricted free agent this summer, like this off season right now. And so the time is now for the Phoenix suns. Yeah. And they didn't reach an extension with him. You know, they're normally high draft picks like this, like Luca, Trey young, like they're not going to hit even Jaron Jackson, June. They're not going to hit restricted free agency because they signed the extension. And it's such a fascinating situation because of bigs. Like it's almost like the off season of bigs for me of like, what happens with Gobert? What happens with Deandre Ayton of the first overall pick who isn't a bust. Like he isn't Anthony Bennett. Like, you know, we're, shots, we're, shots you fired. know, it's where he's, he's not, you know, he's, he's a really dang good player. So you can kind of see both arguments of, yeah, if you're the Suns, you can't lose him for nothing, just freaking sign him. And then if you don't want him part of the future, you trade him later on. Or you can see the other side saying, Hey, we're in like win now mode. Like we don't have any time to waste. We want to get back to the finals. And our best way to do that is playing this like switchable small ball, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, Booker, utilize another year, Chris Paul. Can we 
do a signing trade with Aiton and bring in you know, another wing or more mobile big or something like that. So you kind of see both sides. But man, if I'm them, I'm, I'm paying him. But Hollinger's stuff about him being elsewhere, I mean, there's no way in the world they just let him go for nothing, right? Like there's no way they pull the, you know, the the Bogdan Bognatovich and it's just like, <laughs> all right, yeah, you can just, you know, the Kings just letting him walk for nothing in restricted free agency. So then at that point, Phoenix has to engage in a signing trade. And that's where it gets fascinating with teams around the league. Where does he want to go? What what could be a piece that they could get back that would help him? And so now you're starting to say, okay, well, they're, are they going to trade DeAndre Ayton? And some of that comes back to DeAndre Ayton has not been the best fit there for them. Now, on the court, seems like an incredible fit. It's worked really well for them. They had an incredible record this past year. They did pretty well in the playoffs. Like, I think they made it seven games with the team that made the Western Conference Finals. So, like, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good for them, right? What happened in that seventh game, though? I can't remember. <laughs> Happy birthday, CP. Um, that was I did my own drop there. But DeAndre Eaton has gone to blows with Monty Williams in that game seven against the Mavericks. Uh, there's been situations. I was listening to Locked On Suns yesterday. Everybody should go listen to Locked On Suns yesterday. Brendan did a great job laying out this whole situation and how. Leave they- him a comment. It's not- <laughs> Our good friend, Brendan. Leave him a comment. Like, Leave him a comment that just says, eight into the Mavs. <laughs> <laughs> He'll wake up with like a million comments and go, dang it, they're back. Did that happen? Did I miss it? Um, but he said that Aiton hasn't been a great cultural fit there. There's been some things. Remember, he got suspended a couple years ago. There's that story about him not sleeping because of video games, however you want to take that story. There's like... Uh, there's just weird stuff about him and the team and not and wanting to be more of a focal point on offense, wanting to get his shots. It seems like there's a big man every single year that that, that story comes out about, about them. And so now maybe it's Aiton that doesn't want to continue with the Suns. And the Suns don't necessarily want to pay him this max. And Aiton doesn't want to play for the Suns at, you know, at the role that he's playing right now. And so they're at, they're at odds because, like you said, the Suns should want to re-sign him and want to keep him just for the sake of the asset in general. But if both sides kind of don't want to do it, then they're just playing chicken with each other. And so here's this story that Aiton is more likely playing somewhere else. But can the Mavs get in on it? Is, is this something the Mavs could get in on? Because we've heard Nico Harrison go on the Ben and Skin show on the Eagle, go on different places, and even at exit interviews say, we got to improve rim protection. We got to improve at the center spot. We got to get a guy to come in here. And Aiton, we've talked about before, has would be an incredible fit on the court. Yeah. In this now, if he wants his shots and things like that, I don't know how well that would fit with the Mavericks. It'd be sort of the same situation in Phoenix. But how could the Mavericks get in on an Aiton type trade? Well, first off, like, would you want him? The answer for me is yes. Like, if you can get a guy, what what is on your coffee mug? It says, may, it says "May the fourth, may the force be with you." Wow, that's adorable. Um, Obi Wan's pretty good. Happy Happy Kenobi Day, everybody. <laughs> It's that's a pretty dang good show. I had one issue with it though. Mm-mm-mm. No, no spoilers at all. No, no, no. no it's no, not. No, no, even, it's it's, it's not, not even a spoiler. It's not even a spoiler. Okay. I, it, won't I be, it won't be me this time. This is I, I actually. I tweeted it, so it's it's okay. How is somebody in hiding? Like, hey, I'm gonna hide for ten years. Yeah. So no one finds me as a Jedi. But homie, when he goes to any other planet or anywhere in public, he's like, you know what, I'm gonna wear. I'm going to wear the Halloween store of what a Jedi wears. Like legitimately <laughs> the, robe. The, the, the robe, the hood and everything. Like they'll never guess that I'm a Jedi. And it's like, no, bro, you look like a Jedi. You're the only dude in this whole scene that looks like a Jedi. Anyway, 
So back to DeAndre Ayton. But here's Ayton. <laughs> like he's dressing up like he wants to. <laughs> if you if Dallas could could pull off a way to pair DeAndre Ayton at 23 years old with Luka Doncic, I'm really entertaining it. Because I think Luka could make him even like beyond better than what he was in Phoenix. And I just, I, I'm not, I, I am a believer in him. I've been a believer in him since the draft. But here's the thing. I think the only way Dallas would ever have a shot at it is some type of double sign and trade. And it has to, it has to involve Brunson. And it has to be Phoenix saying, all right, yeah, if it's Sarver trying to save money, it's a whole like Brunson at 20 million compared to Aiton at 30. It's a whole like we, we would rather have a younger, younger pairing of a, a younger Brunson with Booker instead of, I don't know what it means for Chris Paul and all that. But I'm just saying, I think that's the only way Dallas could do it. And then you're just asking the question, would you rather have Aiton at 30 or Brunson at 20, even if Phoenix was willing? Cool. That is a that is a question right there because it's a ten million dollar difference and that is a big difference at this point where yeah. the Mavericks are. I don't know if that ten million dollar difference matters too much because they're already in the tax. They already have you know they're not going to have cap space. So the difference between Brunson and Aiton is not like ten million dollars more in cap space. There's there's none of it. Um, but you don't think they would do some sort of like I don't know no no any any combination. I mean even if it was like Dinwiddie, Maxi, and the twenty six pick and Josh Green. Because the only reason I said is because Dallas doesn't have cap space. Like if it's one of those things yeah. saying, all right, Phoenix doesn't want to max him and Aiden sitting there saying, Hey, well, Dallas has all this cap space. I, w- I just want to go there. Then you could try to get away with a smaller type of deal. Like if it's like, if it's Detroit, it's like, dude, I could just sign there. And even though you could max it, but that's the type of thing like Dallas has no cap space. So if he wanted to come here, that's the only way it could really happen. Yeah, it, it, unless Dallas went out and you know shed all this crazy, you know, created all this cap space, then. But it'll be really interesting to see how DeAndre Ayton, what what his price will be if he does get traded, right? Because they're even saying in this article that his price point is lower. Brennan Brennan Clean was saying, I understand that his price point is lower because of everything going on and him forcing out and being a restricted free agent and. The other team having to pay them and all it's it's so fascinating at this point in his career. I don't know if we've seen a guy at this point in his career like could get a max restricted free agent going like wanting at another a different team. This is almost like a, a you know a player asking out in their rookie contract, yeah. right? It's like right, it's like right there. We haven't seen a player do that yet. You know, Zion may, but we haven't seen somebody do that quite yet. So it'll be interesting. We'll we'll cover this story more. We'll talk about it more in the coming days. But we got two draft profiles coming up for you. Is Jaden Hardy the guy that could be the secondary uh, shot creator that the Mavericks have wanted or the tertiary, the, the another shot creator the Mavericks want? And could Wendell Moore be the 3 and D wing that the Mavericks desperately need a third one of those? We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Sakara. Feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you eat healthy, live a balanced life, and truly enjoy it with delicious plant-based uh, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living your best body. Now is the time to seek wellness, joy, and abundance in all areas of your life. I was just thinking about some of the Saqqara foods that I had. I can't think of any of the names off the top of my head, but they have incredible salads. I'm usually not a huge salad guy, but I liked what Saqqara offered for you. Uh, The dressings are all really, really good on there. Usually you get a salad and it's like, oh, it's either too wet with a dressing and then the dressing's not good. And then you're like, oh, I regret this. But Saqqara puts together really good food. Uh, I got to try some of it. My wife got to try some of it. She hates salads more than me and loved all their stuff. And they do way more than salad, too. They have 
bunch of snacks. They have nutrition for your body to experience the results that you want. It's a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20. That's sakara.com slash locked on 20. S A K A R A dot com slash locked on 20. That's the number two zero to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash locked on 20. Thanks for making Lockdown Maps your first listen. We have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about you, the Raccoon Squad, the Lockdown listeners. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Lockdown Podcasts. Go to LockdownPodcasts.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes the survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockdownPodcasts.com slash survey. All right, Isaac Harris, we were talking about DeAndre Ayton. Now we're going to get into some draft profiles. The first one we're going to start with is Jaden Hardy. 6'4", 190 pounds. He's got a 6'9 wingspan. He's going to be 20 years old at the time of the draft. He's spending his time with the G League Ignite. And this one sentence for him is simple, (laughs) to me at least. And it was simple for the ringer too. Pure bucket getter who needs to improve his efficiency and playmaking. Give me some strengths and and weaknesses for Jaden Hardy. Oh, you're going to make me do the Jaden Hardy Oh, I can I thought, do it. I thought you were going to do. Sorry, we, we did not talk beforehand. Uh, smooth ball handler with a deep bag moves to create space and launch shots off the bounce. He is a guy that can put the ball in the basket in a bunch of different ways. Catch and shoot, driving to the rim. He can uh, get his shot off basically anywhere, right? I mean, he's only 6'4", but the 6'9 wingspan helps him to like lift the shot over guys at times. Uh, isolation scoring is like his thing. He is a He's just... Another one of the incredible like list of guys that have come through the NBA. Just being able to get your own shot, score in isolation. Um, he made thirty five point seven percent of his pull up two point jumpers and only twenty seven point four percent of his threes off the dribble per synergy. So like the efficiency in in the G League was not great for him this year. But he was asked to do a whole lot, and he he averaged like what almost twenty points a game in the G league. It was a big step up from high school to where he was in the G league playing against pros and all that. Uh, and on defense, he, he battles. Yeah, he's, that's, you know, there are times, there are times when he definitely is like not interested, but he can fight <laughs> through screens, took some charges, battles through defense. That's what I'll, I'll let Kevin O'Connor. He's the one that, <laughs> that wrote that on the ringer. He can, he can take that because I didn't see a ton of battling, but that was, that was their take a uh, couple of weaknesses. He doesn't have a very quick first step. He's not a guy that's going to like really get past you. He's he's shifty and he can get around you. Like he's a little more rhythm than he is just like blazing speed to the rim. Uh, and he struggled at the he struggled to finish at the rim a little bit. He's not an uber. He's not like not an uber athlete, but he is a good athlete where he's going to throw down some dunks and you're going to go, oh my god. And then uh, the efficiency. I mean, he only shot 27 percent from three overall, but he did make 36.6 percent of his catch and shoot threes. And we saw a guy like Kuminga really struggle with his shot in the G League with the G League Ignite last year and then fare a little bit better in the NBA. So I wonder if there's a just a big learning curve for that G League Ignite. This is only a second year of that yeah. team. So it's interesting. We haven't we don't have a big sample size of how guys translate from you know high school where they were to the Ignite and then to it, the NBA. It's fascinating to see how people view Jaden Hardy because you know, yeah. you get a guy like Kevin O'Connor at the ringer that has him as like, like a top 15 guy. You see another big board yeah. that has him in the 30s. You see another big board that has him late teens and early 20s because 
Well, I have the ones that we look at. Raphael has him at 22. The Ringer had him at 15. ESPN mocked him at 22. And The Athletic mocked him at 22. Yeah, so, you know, there was the you know, report, the you know, Magic Beat reporter for The Athletic said that, you know, Harden uh, Robbins, I think it was Josh Robbins, um, who said today, you know, Harden said in his you know workout that he was going to work out for, has a workout for Dallas coming up. And I say it's it's so fascinating to see how people view him because he, he took the Jalen Green route. It was very high recruit bypasses on college like let me list you some guys that Jaden hardy was above in the espn recruiting rankings he was number two number two behind chet okay so that means he was higher than palo is higher than jabari smith jalen duran at memphis i mean all the all the other guys in this draft class basically out coming out of high school tata washington all these guys he was above them and I remember when you're looking at his like recruiting and stuff, like his recruiting list, the, the teams he got offers from Arizona, Kentucky, Memphis, like every, every one of these bigger teams that are offering all the top players right now, he got a, And I say that because he was this ultimate scorer coming out of high school. One of the top recruits of his class. He chooses the Jalen green route and says, all right, I'm going to go to, you know, G league ignite team. It obviously worked out for Jalen green. Cause he goes in the top three of his draft doesn't work yeah. out as much for Jaden Hardy in the G League. And he falls down a little bit, slips. He's not a projected top 10 pick. So now it's just kind of like beauty in the eye of the beholder of like how you how a team sees him and how you want to look at it and say, all right, are you going to be a, a legit number two option are you, uh, on a team? And score like, I'm not, you know, we I don't go as far as like giving like really hard yeses or nos on, on a guy. But I'm not like in love with him. I'm not in love with his fit in Dallas just because he is that microwave guy. I don't love the defense. I would prefer a three and D type of wing instead of, hey, just go get me a bucket type of guy like Jaden Hardy. Because, but do, what's his ceiling? What does a team view his ceiling as? I wrote down Jordan Poole. Is he a Jordan Poole type of guy? Or is he a, is he a microwave guy who's not playing defense that can create a shot, get some, get hot on the wing some? But, the, the ringer has the shades of like they're they're kind of like you could be a little bit of this player a little yeah. bit of this player and his, the two players that were up there were Bradley Beal Oof. like you can kind of see it same same size as the you know the jumper if like everything comes together for him he could be Bradley okay. Beal the other one the other one was Deion Waiters <laughs> I was like that is it I was like that's yeah. the spectrum right there for Jaden Hardy He's like he could either be a sixth man of the year he could be an all star or he could be Deion yeah. Waiters right which is a good like a good thing in some years and a really bad thing in other yeah, years yeah so I mean yeah I listened to you know this interview of the the Ignite head coach the other day talking about Hardy because you know this is this Ignite team that had Dyson Daniels had Bochamp had yeah. you know Jaden Hardy here and. You listen to that on Big Board, right? Locked on Big Board. Was it Big Board? Yeah, yeah. It was um, who was the guy? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't it was Raphael. Sam, it was, wasn't it was Richard. Our, it was our, no, it was Sam, Sam Ferris. So yeah. great interview. Quick 20, 25 minute interview. So go check it out. He talks about both, all three of those players. He talks a little bit about Scoot Henderson at the end. Um, but no, it was just I, I just don't. It's hard to figure out exactly. You're either in love with him as the as a scorer at yeah. the next level. Or you're viewing him as a just a microwave guy off the bench that you hope that he can be efficient, and I've, I'm kind of in between. I, I guess I kind of lean towards the latter of, I think that's his like route. And for Dallas, I would just there's just a couple different types of players I would prefer than hey, let's just go get the bucket getter. I feel like there are players and prospects in the draft 
that you can watch a couple of of like you can watch a couple games or even like a couple clips or highlights and read some stuff from people and go, I think I got it right. I think I got it with Jaden Hardy. You have to. I I think you have to just watch every single game he's played in, see his decision making, see when he decides to go for a shot and doesn't, and like you have to see all the processes that he goes through in every single decision that he makes and then make a calculated decision. And so I'm not going to, I haven't come to a decision on Jaden Hardy, to be honest, because I, I definitely didn't get to watch enough on him. And I'd have to watch a ton to be able to really feel like, okay, I think I have an understanding of this guy because you just read all the stuff about him. It's like, okay, I've seen this guy a hundred times before. You have to be so elite at these things that he's good at in order to be really good in the NBA. And so you go to why the Mavs should take him and why the Mavs shouldn't take him. If they if they do take him, they're betting on his ability to get his own shot and his physical tools that he can become an ideal scoring threat next to Luca. Like he could, he could be an all-star. He has the tools. He has the, like the jumper looks really good. He's able to get his shot off anywhere on the court. He's, you know, six, four, he's got the six, nine wingspan, uh, athletic enough, right? Like if everything comes together, he could be that all-star type guy. But the reason why you don't take him is to be a top-level scorer in the NBA, you have to be a elite as a shot maker. And he, we're not sure if he can get there, right? Was the efficiency in the G League that we saw shooting, well, like 35% from the floor and like 27% from three, is that the efficiency we're going to see in the in the it, NBA? Does that does that improve? And I think that's the reason not to take him. And, it, that. and it's about the fit, too, to where, like, I'm a lottery team. I have another pick in, in this draft in, the, in that second round. I'm the Spurs. I'm swinging for it. Like that's what I'm swing, but in Dallas, like you're, I want somebody that can play in the playoffs. I want somebody that, yeah, I want somebody that's the three and D that plays defense and all that stuff. Instead of like, I think for him to get better, it's going to be, Hey, allowing him to learn from his mistakes, be more efficient with the ball in his hands. And he's just not going to come to Dallas and say, all right, whenever Luca's not on the floor, you're going to be getting the ball in your hands the whole time. So I, Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie's just looking over at him like... He's like, kids, sit down. Let me tell you about crypto. (laughs) But first, let me tell you about crypto. (laughs) But no, I I think he could be good. He's just the first guy that we've talked to. We've talked about EJ Liddell, Jalen Williams, and Coloco, and we're going to continue our draft profiles. He's the first one that I'm like, "Um, I think he has a a good future in the league. It's just, as far as fit, there's a couple different types of players that I would prefer in Dallas over Jaden Hardy. And this type of player takes too long to have the impact that the Mavs need this yeah, pick. And to watch have, him draft right? him, and then just, I'm just eating all my words. So, <laughs> okay, they have a workout with him, right? It's the first one I think that we've learned that has a workout with the Mavericks. So and, that's why and real quick, why you take him too? One more thing: why somebody would take him in the 20s, especially at 26, is and would be the selling point. I'm telling you right now, if they draft him, and the first pod that we're doing is saying, "Well, you now you're taking the home run swing, a guy that was number two and yeah, number two in the class." Swing right behind Chet going in a year ago, going into college and G league season. Now you're going to get him at 26. Then Holy crap. Like this is the home run type of swing on it. So that would be my selling pitch, brother. But this would definitely be a home run swing coming up. Let's talk about a double, a double swing or or a single thing. That sucks. (laughs) Can Wendell Moore be the three and D type of player? The Mavericks need to add to the roster. They need at least one more of them. Could he be the guy? We're talking about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about bet online. It's the best place to check out the odds and lines for the NBA NHL conference finals. They have the Stanley cup coming up. Uh, I don't think the, I think the Rangers are almost getting there, but major league baseball, all kinds of other things right now. 
Oh, earlier today, they had Warriors Celtics tied for the series. Ooh. It was like minus 110 for both of them. Right now, though, Warriors minus 120, Celtics plus 100. So if you're feeling good about the Celtics, this is the time. Now that now that you have good odds on them. So go check out all that kind of stuff for the finals. Draymond, oh, this is you'll love this one. Draymond Green to be ejected from any game for the rest of the way in the finals. No is minus 600. Yes is plus 350. Ooh, I was going to say plus 200. You put down 100 bucks. You can put down you put down 100 bucks, you can win 350 if Draymond gets ejected from any game. So, go check it out. It's bet online where the game starts. All right, Isaac Harris, we talked about DeAndre Ayton. We did the draft profile on Jaden Hardy, who the Mavericks had a workout with. And now we talk about Wendell Moore. The 6'5", um, he was a junior at, at Duke, 217 pounds, wing, seven-foot wingspan. He's going to be just about 21 at the time of the draft. Went to Duke, like I said. The one-sentence descriptor on him is a playmaking wing who got off to a slow start in college but has emerged as a do-it-all player in his junior season who could fill a number of different roles in the NBA. Yeah, so you look at his role in this Duke team. Like, he played on this stacked team. We're talking about Paolo, yeah. top three pick. Should be number one pick, by the way. Uh, is that a little Ooh. spicy? I, I think he should be. But uh, I think Rafael Mark Williams, AJ Griffin. I mean, even Keel stayed, stayed in the draft. Like, we, this Duke team has a potential that we look back on and say, holy crap, how did they not win the national title? Yeah, like they could, win. it could be a special class for them, but he ran a lot of their point. You know, like you said, he's six, five, seven foot wingspan. When you look at the difference between height and wingspan at the combine, he was like a top five player in the difference of that. And we love, we love yeah. those type of players, by the way, the rectangles. <laughs> the rectangles. Let's go. Uh, he was on a, we should do, a, we should do a draft, like uh draft phrases. Every time we say one of them, we should the do the rectangle. Um, Rangy. <laughs> High motor. <laughs> um, he was on ACC all defensive team. He is the definition of a three knee guy. Like you said, he was he's twenty. He's about yeah. to turn twenty one right after the draft. He's twenty right now. A junior, so a little bit you know vet as far as in college standards. His first, okay. well, I say because not, not a ton of players come you know are entering this draft after junior year. So you start looking at upperclassmen. Yeah. What were you? Yeah, no, it just took it just took him a while to get going yeah, yeah. In, in college, right? It's hard to break it's hard to break into that Duke rotation, and he finally did the last couple of years, and then really had a huge role this past year. And so, and also the shot had to improve, right? A couple of things, if you want to talk about strengths and weaknesses, is that he shot really well, forty one point three percent from three last year, but the year before that he shot thirty percent, and the year before that I think he didn't even take one three a game and shot yeah. like twenty percent. So he's he's raised the bar and got better as a three-point shooter, but he had to get better. So that that's definitely something to of note because it could take him another learning curve in the NBA when he, when he comes in. Um, but, but yeah, the other thing is I think Richard Mavs draft came on this podcast and talked about him and said, Oh man, he's the best cutter. Like I think I've ever seen as a prospect. That's, that's a skill that I think the Mavericks can, can definitely use. And he's got a pretty good handle, can finish at the rim a little bit. But the cutting, the spot-up shooting, like he's just an ideal off-ball player. Yeah, and I mean, that's what you had to he had to be at Duke. And that's well, that's one of his strengths, especially when you look at a potential fit in Dallas, is he knows how to play off the ball. He was in the 94, 94th percentile of cutting as far as points per possession on synergy in college basketball. Um, he was in talking about the improved shot. He shot over 40% this season at Duke. He shot over 40%. 42% in the AC, ACC tournament and the, in the tournament in which they made their deep run on. Um, 
So he's improved a lot. So the one of the bigger questions is, is that real? Because it is one season. The year before yeah. that, like you said, he, he attempted three game just like this year and he, he shot at 30%. So that's the, that's the thing with him. Even on spot up shooting, 92nd percentile on spot up shots on percent on, on synergy. Like he really improved shooting the basketball this year and he's already really good defensively, especially with the long wingspan. He yeah. can guard multiple defenders. So, but I do want to say this. Also, don't want to kind of just put him in the box of a three and D guy because he can handle the ball, and that's why I don't like yeah. some of the comps that have like been thrown out for him. Because even like I think you know uh, the ringer, the ringer had Josh Green, and I was like, I was gonna talk, I was gonna <laughs> talk about it. Um, but like I, I, I lean towards more of a, and this isn't a perfect comp, but I lean towards more of like a Brogdon in the sense of. He's he's that size. He's like six five six six. Same size, he can, and wingspan. wingspan. Yeah. He's a good outside shooter. He can defend, but he can also like. I mean, he ran a lot of the offense. He initiated the offense at Duke. He was running pick and roll. He was run. So like that's the I prefer leaning towards that type of route. Like ceiling a Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart handles the ball and stuff some, but I don't like the the th- just the three and D label for him because he's not. Dorian Finney-Smith, when he first entered the league, and he can't dribble, and he's just in the corner, and like, hey, let's let me shoot the shot. I'm good at that. He can he can drive right now. Like he's probably he's better at driving and playmaking right now than Dorian Finney-Smith is right now. Uh, yeah, at dri- just driving and playmaking, not overall player, but just driving, like to show you that he is already there as a he can he can handle the ball. Yeah, he's not going to be your go-to offensive no, initiator, though. No. He's not going to be—he's not going to be that kind of guy. He's not even necessarily. You're not probably even going to draw plays for him to do that kind of stuff. So, if you're talking about some weaknesses, those are things. He's not going to hit shots off the bounce. He's not going to like drive through no. traffic and finish around guys like that. That's not what he's going to. But he can do those things if the you know the defense shifts over to the other side and he's able to take advantage in that way in the way that the maps have tried to ask yeah. Dorian to do the, this past what, year one of the like issues that. with this past maps team what happened a lot with shot clocks is Luca drive he doesn't get the shot so what happens he kicks it out to Reggie or Dorian or somebody else or let's say Maxi's out there well none of those three can run pick and roll or dribble so then it's like hey we're just gonna play hot potato around the perimeter until Luca comes back and gets the ball and there's like six seconds left on the shot clock and he's launching it up this is the situation where if Wendell Moore is out there, he can call for the pick and actually handle the ball and move a little bit. Like he's not your number one or number two option, but he can already be a three and D guy who can put the ball on the floor. Uh, availability. He is kind of all over the place. Raphael had him at 28 on his big board. The ringer had him at 35 ESPN mocked him at 37 and the athletic had him at 37. Yeah. They're all, pr- all pretty low on him except for Raphael who thinks he's a, a first rounder. Um, so really, really interesting. He, he'll probably be available there for the Mavericks. And so this is definitely a player the Mavericks will probably have to, to think about and decide, do we want to take him at 26? Because you ask yourself, he's um, he's going to be 21. So as much as we, I hate that whole whole age thing. But like if you're a team down there, it's like, oh, do I swing for a 19-year-old? Do I swing for a 21-year-old, basically? The age stuff, the athlete stuff, he's not, you know, jumping up and doing windmill 360s. He's not the, you know, insane athlete. And if you don't believe that the shooting is sustainable, like those are a few of the reasons I feel like some people could listen to what we just said and be like, oh man, he's like perfect three and D guy. It's like, well, here's a couple of reasons why he could be in the thirties. 
Yeah, and we still have to see if the shot yeah, is yeah. real, right? He he only j- he shot thirty percent his sophomore year, forty percent last year. So another thing I wanted to say earlier about about three point shooting in college is that the sample size is so much smaller. Mm-hmm. It's like a third of what it is in the NBA, or even probably even less because they play less minutes and they play way less games. They play. 34 games instead of 82 games. So just the difference between that, a 40% shooter in the NBA is completely different than a 40% shooter in college. That's like, you know, Reggie Bullock <laughs> had like three different seasons in the three different college seasons this year in the NBA where he was terrible his first year and then he was incredible uh at the end of the season for the Mavericks just this year. And so uh, that's something to take into account. I don't know if that's positive or negative. Is it, is it positive that that okay, well he shot 30% last year, but that's a small sample size too. So maybe he's a better shooter than that than that season counted for. It's just interesting to, to I will look say at, he's shot above 80% from the free throw line all three seasons. And for a lot of people talk about shooting solid. stuff, that is a, one of those indicators of hey, can you be a good sustainable three-point shooter moving forward? And it's like, yeah, he shot 80, 84% and 80% in his three years. Why the Mavs should and shouldn't take him? I have the same sentence written. For both. And you're not going to like it already. Do you want another chance at Josh Green, but a year and a half older at the time of drafting? That's why you should and shouldn't take him. Because everything we talked about with Josh Green, plus a little bit more with the the ball handling, is what Wendell Moore did, right, in his college. And he's a year and a half older than Josh Green was when they drafted him. And so you're like, you're getting the, the same chance at the same type of player again, it's just he may be a little bit better in certain areas. I think he's a, I think he's not the exact same mold as Josh Green though. I'll, I'll almost. I mean, what's the, what's the difference? He can the handle ball the ball. The- yeah, I I believe in his shooting and his shooting form more than Josh Green's shooting and shooting form. I think Josh Green's a better passer. Um, he's you could probably say Josh Green's a better athlete, but I think for and Wendell Wendell Moore has a seven foot wingspan and Josh Green's only yeah, six nine. But so. I would. I think Wendell Moore is the better prospect right now. I think I think I think next I year, if you're saying, all right, which if one if these two dudes went into camp, I think I would say that Wendell Moore would come out of that on top. Right, right now. now, yeah, yeah. So so you get another, ch- but that's what I'm saying. You get another chance at the type of player that you wanted yeah. with Josh Green, and and, and that's. Camp. What you want, like we want another wing, like we want a wing in this rotation. Like you're taking a swing at this spot, and the swing that you're gonna take, yeah. if you're gonna swing for a wing, is most likely gonna be a three and D guy that you want Josh Green to be. And you know what? If you do swing for it, and they both work out, awesome. Now you got a couple of dudes. Right. You can never yeah, have enough because <laughs> that's what I put down. I, you know, I watched the Mavs draft him. I say you can never never have enough of these guys in the playoffs. A three and D wing who can make plays off the dribble. It's like. Yeah, if it works out, then great. He's coming off the bench, backing up Reggie and Dorian. And why you don't, why you don't do it though? The only reason why I would say you don't draft Wendell Moore at twenty six, besides like, oh, there's somebody else that fell, and like, let's take him, whatever. Is if yeah. you don't believe the shooting is real, because if he can't shoot, then I, I'm sorry, like it's not like he's Kawhi Leonard and he's like, dude, you're just gonna lock everybody up. He's a good defender, but it's not like he's winning Defensive Player of the Year. So. That if you don't believe in the shooting, you don't draft him. But if you think it, it's real, the 40, 42%, then I'm all about I, I love Wendell Moore. I think he's just I think in a way he's kind of like a weird wing version of a Jalen Brunson type. The the older, the upperclassman, not the extreme athlete type of guy, but super smart. And that's typically like if Donnie Nelson was still GM, I'd be like, dude, this is his pick right here. 
Like this is this is him. <laughs> and you know, Finn, Finn still has a lot to do with draft. Like we talked talk to Nico True. and it, yeah, and talked to Nico there in the bay when we had him on the podcast there and asked him about the draft. And he's like, Yeah, I mean, Finley's you know at the combine right now. Finn's been running the stuff. So I, I don't yeah, Finn's gonna have a say. So Brunson was Finn's guy. Like Finn loved Jalen Brunson and stuff coming to the draft. So that I it would not shock me if a, if Wendell Moore you know had Dallas across his chest next year. That'd be exciting. I would. Be, I think I would be down for that after everything I just saw it and everything I just said. I played the heel a little bit in this. Did you say Keel? That's his teammate. I, <laughs> there you go. That's Wendell Moore. We talked about Jaden Hardy. Guys, thanks so much for making Lockdown Abs your first listen. Check out Lockdown NBA Big Board next. They got great stuff all the time. You know that? Did you see that quote that the Western Conference executive said about Shaden Sharp? Like, how dare anybody pick him in the top five? Did you David see that Aldridge? quote today? Uh, yeah, yeah, David Aldridge. Raphael had that two weeks ago, three weeks ago on the podcast. He he had that almost the exact same quote from a, maybe the same guy, but from somebody. So he's locked in. He's got a bunch of sources. Check out Locked on NBA Big Board for all, all your draft stuff, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. Boom! Oh.